Here we go. So, hello. Welcome to Apple Chat. My name is Benjamin, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we have a special guest with us. We're joined by our longtime friend and uh, musical artist, Nick Heredia. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Today, we're talking about a movie that Nick uh, recommended to, uh, to us for us to do a podcast episode on, and that movie is A Clockwork Orange. You needn't check it any further, sir. You've proved to me that all this ultraviolence and killing is wrong, wrong and terribly wrong. I've learned my lesson, sir. I see now what I've never seen before. I'm cured, praise God. You're not cured yet, boy. But sirs, missus, I see that it's wrong. It's wrong because it's like against society. It's wrong because everybody has the right to live and be happy without being told, chopped and knifed. No, no, boy, you really must leave it to us. But be cheerful about it. In less than a fortnight now, you'll be a free man. This is a psychological thriller. Directed by Stanley Kubrick. Starring Malcolm McDowell. I watched this movie on Amazon Prime. Joey, how'd you watch it? I also watched it on Amazon Prime. Nick, how did you watch it? I watched it on DVD, actually. You own Dang. this movie? I own this movie. I've actually owned it for... I've seen this movie many, many, like, a, a while back ago. I think I was in ninth grade when I first saw this, and wow. uh, I was already a Stanley Kubrick, like, fan, and so... You're a Stanley Kubrick stan? I am a, <laughs> I am a Stanley... I am a Stan Kubrick stan. Um, uh, if, that, if that is what we are going to call it. I definitely... Is this your favorite um, Stanley Kubrick movie? It is, um, but I, like... Stanley Kubrick is one of my favorite directors in general. Um, yeah. It, it goes him, Tim Burton, and Quentin Tarantino, and not in any particular order. Uh, I just think those three are very prominent and some of the best directors ever because they're just, they always tell, they, they will take stories and like do their own twist on them, but they also make just great original stories. It's, yeah. uh, it's about time that we got Kubrick on the, on the podcast. That's I true. Agree. And they all have unique full- styles too, so yes. they're very yeah. distinct. This is our 45th movie podcast, and uh, it's about time we got the Stan Man, as everyone calls him, uh, on the podcast. Okay, let's, uh, but let's get into it. Um, Joey, go ahead and give us the synopsis. A young man and his droogs get into a whole mess of trouble when they drink too much spiked milk. All right. Yes, let's get started with A Clockwork Orange, in which, uh, honestly, let's dive right in. Uh, Nick, go ahead and tell us what you like about this movie. Give us your pros. So for me, it's a, it's just a great original story. Uh, it is based on a book, which I actually did read after I saw the movie. Um, the, book, oh, nice. the book's also good and uh, told in the same dialogue that is used in the film uh, cool. by our main character, Alex DeLarge. Um, but I still think the story itself is just pretty, you know, original. I think if you can tell a story uh, that makes me go like, wow, someone wrote this or like someone came up like with this story. I yeah. think that goes a long way, even if it is a dark or or happy, like like kind of film or 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 show and anything that like I always will personally find be a fan of, of something that just tells a good story and i feel like this sure. this movie tells a really good story um uh for those that don't know it actually serves as an it served as an inspiration for um uh heath ledger's uh joker he actually oh, really? watched this film 
And that may be more of a fun fact we can talk about later, but he actually, like, because of this movie, we have what we all know as Heath Ledger's Joker of the Dark Knight. So, like, I feel like yeah. the Dark, yes, that movie's awesome, but we also have to pay homage to and be thankful for, like, the movie that kind of inspired that style, Sam's kind of style. Um, yeah. And also, well, it our- is a cla- it's known as a classic. So I was like, I, I want to know what my, my good friends, uh, the, the <laughs> duo from Affable Chat, I want to know what they think, so. Right. Um, art inspires art, you know, like yeah, that's something that's right. there's something to be said for that, that it would inspire that, such a legendary performance from Heath Ledger. Um, I totally agree with you. Like this movie, um, not only does it bring up like these excellent questions about morality and psychology, uh, but it also tells a compelling story at the same time. Like it does e- both equally well. Um, and they, they're like so intertwined. It's, it's like a satisfying plot while also delivering on the message. And also, I mean, it's Stanley Kubrick. It's so beautifully shot. There's yes. so many intentional camera angles. Like one of the ones that really blew me away was the uh, the long shot from uh, when he gets to the prison. He's emptying out his pockets. It's basically over the policeman's shoulder for like multiple minutes. Yes. And it's just him like leaning forward into it. And I was like, wow. I mean, what really what that in, in that specific instance, I feel like it let the skill of um our our main actor here uh michael mcdowell get really come a malcolm mcdowell really come across as like to to show off just how well he is becoming this character in front of our eyes uh which i think was really nice um so yeah also just great i mean not just um malcolm but everybody who's in this movie i feel like does a great job of playing their characters from the rigid uh like guards and and police officers to the kind of crazy scientists it's uh (laughs) it's it's just excellent and also another big part of this movie is the uh the great set design um everything is so weird and it's like this is real life but also kind of otherworldly um and a great soundtrack that is full of these eerie weird kind of electronic music and also so much classical music oh my gosh yeah yeah and yeah i i agree with all that and what makes this movie like stand out or like makes stanley kubrick stand out is just like his ability to just kind of linger on shots and never let it get old you know like what's interesting is like there's multiple you know there's a shot and it takes a long time for it to cut but you don't notice because you're so engaged in the story and this movie is long it's more than two hours long but i didn't feel it like it was super long i felt like it was almost kind of rushed at some points it was it's a testament to just like a really good storyteller that he can do stuff like that but yeah Yeah. i agree it was totally beautifully and beautifully terrifying and had this very deliberate and lingering photography that just provides a stunning but appropriate backdrop to a disturbing and moving story about the human condition and the nature of evil. I like that, and we will definitely expand on that moving forward, but first we're going to get into our cons, and Nick, we're going to let you go first again. What didn't you like about this movie? So um, I think it's safe to say that the, the first time you watch this, you will definitely get confused uh, or thrown off rather by the dialogue or, or vocabulary that our main character uses. Um, it's not something that people are, are used to or, and it's, it's just very odd. So I feel like that if throwing you off may like mess with your uh, experience of the film. Um, for me going into that, I, kinda, I actually already had had heard about that and knew that. Um, but also I feel like, um, I mean, some of the cons, I guess is that it, it is definitely like a very dark film. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and sometimes that can like definitely be like 
a, a, a huge con because you know some people are always like I'm not going to watch this if it's like very you know dark and there's no like I don't know there's no happy ending or whatever yeah um, but yeah for- when I was scrolling through the uh, um, Amazon reviews of this movie. There was like, just there was a bunch of five stars, and there was, but there was a bunch of one stars too, and they were like, "Don't watch this movie. It has too much rape in it. Don't watch this movie. Like it's too awful. I couldn't get past the first the first thing of thirty seconds." Yeah. Um, like, well, for yeah. me, like for me, like my con with it is that like like it does get a bad rep uh, or rap rather, and and there's a reason for that. Um, but at the same time, I, I always try to like remember that. It's more so just about the story and the art artistry of the film, the 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 script, the the lines, the acting, the the cinematography. It's Stanley Kubrick. Um, yes. So, oh, hold on, Nick. You're getting back into the pros. I mean, like, stay I, on the that's why um, I, I'm uh, like I'm trying to stick with that. Yeah, it's, no, it, it's mainly just a dark film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I agree with that. It's that's my biggest con is that it's just so intense. The rape, the violence, the eyelid locks. These oh things gosh. all made me physically ill. Like, it wasn't just that I was uncomfortable with it or I disagree with it. It's that I started actually feeling bad. In fact, um, I was trying to imagine the feeling that um, that our man uh, Malcolm, or rather uh, Alex, feels when he's listening to Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. And I feel like I got a little bit of that. That's that kind of pain of just your entire existence when you're watching like rape or when you're watching someone get brutally uh beat up you know it's, yeah. it's just this horrible feeling um <laughs> and i think i may be a little bit unique in my in this last one is i really as soon as this movie started and i saw this creepy guy holding a tall glass of milk i was like oh no this you guy's milk? drinking milk <laughs> no it's not <laughs> it's not that i hate milk it's that it's a eerie music and a dude with like weird clothes on and only one eye with eyelashes holding a tall glass of milk i mean the milk just indicates this guy's an absolute psycho dude anything uh, with milk will definitely indicate and and like one example one example (laughs) dude if he was drinking if he was drinking something normal to be like water in that context no not just water like even like a tall glass of beer or like a or straight whiskey or or even milk definitely has its place in in psychological thrillers because no, no no Another movie that does that is Get Out because when she's eating the uh, Fruit Loops and drinking, she's not even eating yes. it in a bowl. So no, milk definitely has its place. It's always had. It's just, it's just. I don't know what it is, but it, you, I have like that is very true. Like I, even I thought yeah, that yeah. about milk. And yeah. So it was unsettling, but I guess it's necessary, right? The yes. the, the film has to have its unsettling bits uh, because of what it's going for here. So um, I. I, it's my con. It's uncomfortable to watch for me. It's something that if I was going to sit down and watch it again, I'd have to be prepared for that. Um, not saying that she doesn't belong in the film. Just for me, that was a bad part. Joey, what, do you, what were uh, your cons? All right. So I think this movie indulges a little too much in the hedonism that it is um, saying is a bad. Um, that it, the, the, the stuff that it's saying, oh, this is so awful. Oh, all this stuff is, you know... Uh, look how terrible of a person Alex is. There's there's so much of that, and it's so. I mean, I'm I'm sure it's done on purpose, but I feel I almost feel like I can't say I like this movie just because if anyone if anyone who watches this movie is like, oh, it's because of all the violence and boobs in this movie, isn't it? You know, it's like you're to say you like this movie is almost to say you. Uh, sympathize or like agree with the stuff that Alex does. Not saying that that's what you you're think, saying Nick. that about Nick. Right? <laughs> I'm saying that about Nick. 
Dude, I have like this movie for a long time, so like, like I have no doubt that some like people I've told about this. Cause I've shown this my girlfriend this movie. Oh, yeah. like a, uh, when we started dating, and she was like, "What the heck?" But I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> "It wasn't one of the first films we saw, but it was." Sure, I sure. was like, "Because it's one of my favorites, because mm-hmm. it's just you know, it's strictly just an art thing for me. I'm a big artist. Yeah. I'm a musician, and I'm a, I'm also an actor, and I'm into film and whatnot. So yeah. like that's strictly where I was going with. This. I even told anyone I tell that I say I give them why I like it. Sure, and, right, right. But yeah. that but that's that's exactly it, right? You have to qualify that. You yes. have to say, you have to say, oh, no, like, I don't agree. I don't agree yeah, with no, any of this you stuff. You have to defend you know, like, yourself why you like the right. movie. Yeah. Like, you have, you've, you'll feel the need to defend yourself. That's, like, I don't know. It's, it's, that's what makes it a powerful movie, I guess, is that you kind of have to, it comes with this asterisk behind it. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I also felt like the acting was a kind of melodramatic in some parts. There was a lot of kind of, like, especially um, just, be, like, the strange interactions you had with other people were always like kind of over the top. The like the the policeman or whatever, and he's like sitting there and he's like, "I'm not gonna clap for this," and then he starts clapping really hard after like these sorts of treatment works. And there's, I feel like there's a there's supposed to be kind of this subtlety that's going on in this movie that was not as subtle as it seemed to think it is. Um, and I also thought the pacing was really weird. the The first part of the movie is like. They build up like how bad Alex is. They take a lot of time spending like with him and his droogs trying to say, oh, like, look how bad he is. Like all the stuff he indulges in. Look at the way he interacts with them. You know, look how he he works at home. Look how he is normally. Then he is uh, put in jail and there's kind of this long thing with him in jail. Then there's the the treatment, which is kind of, you know, almost a climax in this movie where you see all the stuff he goes through for the treatment and the crazy like experiments they put him through. And then he gets back and he has one really, really bad day, <laughs> you know, and then that's it. And then he's back and it's all over. And like, uh, it's, it's a, it's a really like, I think it all kind of comes together in one way. And thinking about it later, I was like, okay, there are a lot of good pieces to this, especially how they show that the treatment works right when he's about yeah. to, he's about to punch Joe and then he stops. Like that's, that's supposed to be proof that the treatment is doing exactly as it's functioning exactly as it's supposed to. But, you know, the rest of it where he can't defend himself, you know, he, he's like basically not a person anymore because he can't make like he doesn't have any free will. Like all of that kind of comes together almost immediately. And then the movie ends. So I don't know. I, I, I was a little I almost wish this movie was a little bit longer in a way. I wish they kind of had lingered a little bit more on that um, just to kind of balance out the rest of the movie. Right, I agree with you, and we said this is a long movie. I, I, I think if you go over two hours, that's in the long movie, yes. like, at, like territory. But but there's like uh, there's long movies, and then there's movies that feel long. Yeah, and and I feel and this movie didn't feel long, and in fact, I almost felt shorted at the end. Like maybe we could have gotten another. 10 15 minutes to kind of take us a little further uh it and i guess it just felt a little bit abrupt uh the way that it ended all right now let's move into our overall section and uh since this is a movie you recommended nick we're gonna let you go first just tell us your overall feelings about it so basically i i think um you know what just basically what i said earlier may about it, like it's pros or what I like about it, but like to me, this is a monumental uh, film for political reasons, uh, but also for artistic reasons. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, it's, it's a, a very original story, um, and the way Stanley Kubrick like shows you this story through cinematography and the way he directs it is definitely like unique. Uh, I, I'm glad that like 
he was the one who decided to direct this. Like, now I can't see anyone else direct this, but... Like, this definitely fits his kind of criteria of a film. Um, even yeah, the story I, itself. Yeah, I felt like that, too, though. Like, the... Uh as far as the like uh, cinematography, especially, I was like, oh, okay, this is Kubrick. I had heard about Kubrick, and this was very much like what I had heard. Yes. Um, so I, we have some questions for you. Mm-hmm. So why <laughs> put you on the spot a little bit? Yeah. Well, we we um we we wanted we discussed having you on for an episode, and we wanted you to pick the movie, and you picked A Clockwork Orange. So we our question is why? <laughs> why? First of all, how dare you? How and dare I? Yes. Why? So, so that's not what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, definitely. I, I'm definitely uh, messed up because I like this movie. <laughs> no, not at all. No, 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 you could have picked kidding. any movie. You could have picked any Stanley Kubrick movie. You could have picked any Tim Burton movie. Why did you pick this? I one? picked this Why do you one think this movie is good to talk about? It is. Um, it's kind of like um, I don't want to compare this with. Um, I don't want to make this comparison, but it is the best, probably accurate thing I could say is that it's kind of like Radiohead. Uh, one of my favorite bands where it's a very very famous and beloved film uh, or it's, it's, it's you know hell on the pedestal for good reason and whatnot but at the same time not that many people know about this or have or have at least seen it or know what the story is about um so i and i wanted to like i said i wanted to know what my my good friends thought about this movie i want them to know why i like this movie and for me, it's that it's it's just it's very artistic, very yeah. it, it has a lot of it's kind of like Breaking Bad, where it, it just has a lot of things to say. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if you have a piece of art, whether it's a movie or music or even a painting or a picture, and it can say more than one thing, you have something that you can work with a lot with. You can use you can get a tattoo of it. You can write more story. You can do fan theories about it. Um, sure. And whatnot. Um, if you can, if you can tell more than one story about it or one thing is trying to symbolize, you can go very far. And I feel like this movie um, artistically and politically makes, uh, has a lot of symbolism. And I think um, I do really believe like centuries from now, this is one of those films that people are going to be like, like this is one of the darkest, like, films that were made that's super interesting you say that actually because you're talking about the dialogue earlier and i i feel like we should at least address address this now but the guy who who wrote this the book and then like invented the dialogue which is called what nadsat nadsat yes yeah um the reason he did that was so that this movie would stand the test of time it would stand it would not have any like modern day or like 1970s uh lingo in it it would just it would stand apart from time because it was using language that had never been used and has never used since sure so that's so it's like it in its construction it was meant to be timeless uh, which is pretty cool yeah um i got another question for you what this kind of piggybacking off what you're just saying what do you think is the most engaging or thought-provoking thing from this movie um Probably you had to pick one. <laughs> I'm gonna say like pro- probably, and and this is coming. This is surprising coming from me, uh, a person that doesn't really like to talk about government or political things, but but something that that's over. I feel like that's a political stance. <laughs> like not having a political stance. Yeah, it really is a political stance for sure. But but like I, I just feel like I typically don't like it. But with this film, I feel like I can, and uh, I feel like it, it's kind of like what uh, songs like 
what the band Muse typically sings about, and it's about like the sure. government controlling us and whatnot with drugs and whatnot. I mean, like that's just one of those things that is symbolized in this film, and I think that is. Um, something to me that's really thought if it can make me someone who like does not like because we're all very divided when it comes to politics or government stuff so when it comes to something that actually makes me want to discuss it or at least talk about this particular theory about it Mm -hmm. um i think that 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 goes a long way you know yeah definitely i agree with that and you i mean we'll talk we'll get more into that later i think sure yes yeah so um Um, Go ahead. Well, I, uh, I or, or, did you have any more questions for Nick? Yeah, I have or? one more question. Okay. Sure. Okay, so Nick, this is kind of a weird question, but uh, I, and obviously you think that both of these things are true, but I want you to kind of pick one or the other, like more column A or more column B. What is this a more important movie or an, an entertaining movie? This is more of an entertaining movie. It's definitely not. Yeah. In, I feel like something... Um, uh, there are definitely th- movies that are important. There are movies that are entertaining. I feel like the ones that are important are the ones that, like, are that say something about today's society. I don't think there's anything you could take with this movie that's like. But I think this is strictly just good entertainment. Um, in but like, like I said, in story and whatnot, I, I definitely feel like I have to def- defend that just because this movie is <laughs> is the way it is. Um, but but yeah, it, but like I said, it's entertaining. I, I I believe it is. It's like Tarantino or Tim Burton. Like like you definitely get. Um, you're getting your money's worth. You're getting something different out of it for it, sure. It's a thrill unlike any other. It's, a, it's a definitely a thrill unlike any other for sure. Um, uh, there are other movies that I will will hope to recommend in the future. I, I have some that I can always recommend to to <laughs> you guys, especially. Well, we'll, be, we'll be happy to talk about it. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, but there, like, like, and there's also shows that do that. Uh, this movie is more entertaining to me. Okay. Okay. That's not what I expected you to say, honestly. Really? You thought I was going to say it's important? I appreciate yeah. that because I de- like, I'm excited to eventually share my the movies I think that are important to you guys. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I'll move into kind of my overall reaction to this movie. Uh, this movie is unsettling and especially upsetting, uh, but it's not without purpose. Uh, I think the main focus of this movie is it poses the question as what is the best way to deal with wrongdoing? Um, do we punish people who do wrong and hope that the punishment that we do to others will prevent people from doing crime in the first place? Or do we totally remove the option to do wrong so that no, like we stop the problem before it even starts? Uh, by showing us the unfiltered evil that Alex is capable of, and I really do mean unfiltered, yes. we set the stage for how bad wrongdoing can be. Uh, we see evidence that we can't just let people do as they please completely because for some people that means murder and rape, right? So. Sure. You'd have to be totally devoid of empathy to think that we shouldn't put a stop to these atrocities. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, let me jump in here. The yeah. um, I, it's I think it's interesting what you just said because Alex is almost the perfect candidate for this treatment, but I don't think that the treatment is ex- is um executed as well as it could have been. I okay. feel like there's I, I, I feel would like love to elaborate on or like or expand there's more, on this. There's, there's gaps in their logic and this is like a, this is a first trial you know like they're experimenting and everything obviously it doesn't go very well but i still think that there's there's they kind of have a, the right idea in a way i don't want to defend the treatment i don't think that's necessarily the right thing to do but i do think that if they if with years of refinement and study they could have made something a little bit 
better. I don't think the treatment is like as refined or as perfect as Alex is a, as perfect of a candidate. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah. Well, and I, I think that uh, you're right. And even while it was happening, I almost, I was kind of empathizing with the, or, or at least I was kind of seeing along the same lines as the doctors, right? Because they show the prison system and I think they do, they get some of the, the normal bullet points for prison system criticism prison right su- prison sucks yeah prison yep. sucks it's uh not necessarily making people better it's just taking away time from them and even yeah. potentially making them worse right because you're just condensing criminals and they're gonna make friends with other criminals and then they're gonna go back to crime right uh so that's bad uh and i mean they even really hit it right on the nose when they have them walking in a circle for exercise yeah like that's pretty. Uh, that's, yeah, that's pretty terrible. <laughs> so you're like, this can't be the. This can't. This isn't the perfect solution to crime, right? Um, and the idea of making it so that people are incapable of committing crimes in theory sounds good, right? Because uh, right. you're not um, necessarily taking away any freedoms because they're already crimes, so they shouldn't be able to do them. Um, but then, but the. The movie really just opens this up to um, free will and whether it actually is too going a step too far to remove people's abilities to cr- commit crimes, things that we all agree are bad, because it's removing their freedom. Uh, I think the movie poses this question really well, like how to deal with crime and w- the definition of free will and what will let government uh, influence do to us personally as yeah. like citizens. Um, but I don't know if it necessarily comes to any solid conclusions. It's more, I would argue it's more thought-provoking than uh, educational or uh, like leading you to a certain conclusion right right it just I, I agree with a lot too. of questions because i like i'm following what's going on in the story right and i'm i'm i see everything that alex is going through and i'm starting to empathize with him for the first time you know i you know because throughout the movie i'm like yeah he's a terrible person he's, he's all this stuff and then you see all the stuff that he goes through well after the treatment and you're like does he really like does he really deserve this exactly you know like does he really is it is it really satisfying for me to watch this guy like like uh, this unclawed cat, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he doesn't have, like he's not the same person. He's not. He's not able to do the things that you know made him him. So I don't know. Like, for, I it's hard to feel bad for him just because you kind of feel like the whole time that he deserves it. But that's exactly the the question that Stanley Kubrick like. That's the one that he wants you to leave with. Is like this person that is like without a doubt despicable terrible vicious you know he is he is without empathy he does not know the difference between right and wrong you know he doesn't know he doesn't know that what he's doing is bad to the to that point he just kind of knows he's smart enough to circumvent you know the crime he's smart enough to know oh i shouldn't tell people i'm doing this because otherwise i'm gonna get in trouble but he's not he doesn't have the ability to say oh this is wrong or this is right so that person even like do even they would even they benefit from something like this like if this is the most if this is the worst thing we can do to someone like taking away their free will if there's anyone that deserves that uh deserves to have that happen to them it's got to be someone like alex right yeah yeah well but they could also have executed or, or shown us the results of his uh like what is the process the, the technique what was it called again the uh ludovico technique yeah, the tr- Ludovico? Ludovico yeah. technique, I'm pretty sure is what it's called. 
Yes. So like they could have given us a better look at how that affected him after. Like, I think that going home and having like his parents not want him there still, that's fine. But then like getting mugged by the hobos and then having the police beat him up and then yeah. showing up in a house. It's like, okay, I don't think this guy really had a chance. You know, like it's, it's not really indicative of the treatment's effectiveness to have him go through all these hardships immediately after. Right. Like, right. They could have given, they could have put him in a more normal situation and seen how that would have gone. And it may have made the treatment look a little bit more effective. Exactly. I mean, they could have, they had so much riding on him, right? Like he was, he was in the papers and everything. Like they could have set him up and been like, you're going to be a person in society. Here's a job and, a, and like a house and everything, you know, like we're going to, we're going to start you over and you're going to have a, a good life. And once that happens, obviously everything is going to be, you know, better for them. So that's going to look good in the press. I mean, and it, I mean, that'd be good for Alex. Cause that's, you know, Alex doesn't want to be in prison and he says he wants to be a good person, but okay. There, there's this, there, there's this thing about free will, right? Yeah. And, and, and it's important thing about how, the uh, the treatment is only surface level there's the that's the point that the priest keeps bringing up is that like you have to he doesn't change who he is he still does and thinks bad things he's just incapable of doing them right right, right. but the priest says that it's important that you do good things or you or you choose to do choosing good yeah choosing the, the choice is what matters that's what makes yeah. you good yeah so like what does make you a good person? Does, is it your actions or is it the reasons you do something? Are you a good person if you've never had the opportunity to do something bad? Right. The, uh, I've, I've always been told that goodness is not the absence of evil. Right. It's, yeah. Uh, it's beyond that. It's, it's, it's you... like you actually making the effort to be good in a way. Right. Yeah. Right. You have, to make, you have to make choices. Yes. You have to have those choices. Uh, available to you in to, order, for, in you order to for you to be considered know. good yes right right like uh, a good example is like you're not a good person because you haven't murdered anyone right right you <laughs> just because you haven't done that doesn't mean that you're a good person for having the absence of murder you should but be- at the same time like you can never know someone's true intentions you you only can judge people by the actions and their words you can't actually see what's going on inside their head or the mechanisms that make them decide what to do so, like, how do you judge other people as good or bad? I mean, it's tough. You could, it, it, I guess it just depends on your perception of them. Um, but I guess my question is, why, why does it matter? Does it matter yeah, that we... Exactly. That's the, thing that's, that's the thing that the scientists say, right? They say, does it really matter if the outcome is the same? Right. Because I, I agreed with kind of the way that they argue that point uh, when the priest came up and he said... He's not being good. It's it's the choice that matters. And then they're like, no, it's not. It's lowering the crime rate. And and, and in right. that moment, it especially as a from a policy standpoint, that makes way more sense than being like, no, we should just influence people to be good through you know some certain some like teaching them about the church, right? Which like hasn't worked statistically. Doesn't doesn't work as well as this does, which seems to work every single time. Mm-hmm. Sure. But like at what cost is <laughs> I mean it's the big question. No, I agree. And it, it's uh, during the movie I was completely on the side of the scientists, but I think also through the movie I decided, wait, no, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> that this might be going too far, uh especially when you consider it 
what the implications are for this because it's like okay well now we know we can stop murderers from doing this because we make them sick to violence what if we made our citizens sick to tax evasion sure you know and something like that where uh suddenly you're just robots who uh have no more autonomy you're just uh, you know, pieces of this uh, nation where you're all programmed to do what you are like, what they want you to do. Sure, right. And I, that's that's Nick's whole point, right? Is that, yeah, like, there's, yeah, this, that, there's ex- this influence there. That's exactly what I was trying to, you know, get, get at. Um, I'm glad that like you, you guys, you both, like the points you bring up on this film and what you both, what you both were feeling while watching this. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you both are making like, are, we're, you're thinking exactly what I was thinking while I was watching this, and I knew. I think I knew that going in, and I was like, I, I would, I would love to hear that coming from you guys, that, just so I know that me enjoying this film, I'm that my the things I'm thinking about, other people are thinking about. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. <laughs> You're not alone. You're less crazy and less yeah. alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we can provide that for you, Nick. For sure, man. Uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm very uh, not hard to please. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we're not going to come up with an answer to these questions, but I, I think that that's the kind of movie I mean, that's the thing that he's, that he's uh, projecting. And that's the thing that, that you're supposed to be, you know, thinking about throughout this movie is the level of um, control that should be allowed to us. You know, like today with like how genetic engineering is going and things like it's so much easier for, for us to believe that something like, um, you know, influencing people through their minds or like changing the way people think is possible. And I mean, that's, that's an untapped market. That's something that we've never really gotten to yet. You know, the closest we have is Twitter, (laughs) like for untapped thoughts. Yes. And, uh, it's what a scary place that, that has become. So, uh, (laughs) I mean, I, I think this is just you, you could even just put it as like as simple as be cautious of how much power you give your government. Um, not not saying not making a, a case for anarchy, because obviously that doesn't work either. But um, just if like especially when this movie was made, I'm sure there was a lot of um, discoveries in psychology going on and people fearing about what that could mean for, uh, you know, having your own free thought uh, as yeah. far as like being influenced by people who understand how to program your mind. What I was thinking about as far as government was, was concerned was regulation about how like Alex is kind of an example of government regulation where like the government steps in and says, okay, now we are responsible for your actions. Right. Yeah. And then because of that and because it goes so, so poorly, they have to continue to step in to continue to support Alex. Right at the end, they give him basically everything that he wanted, plus his brain back. So, like, he turns out—he turns out just fine at the end. He has every, like he basically turns out great, um, and that's just because he was kind of following exactly what was in front of him. You know, he didn't really have to make any choices to do that besides trying to get the treatment. But it's kind of this idea that, like, as soon as the government steps in to regulate something, they have to continue to regulate it forever, yeah, without right. touching it. You know, it's it's unsoiled. It can it's natural, uh, quote unquote. Yeah, it's um, yeah. Alex is, did come out on top in every way, except you know potentially lifelong uh, injuries from falling out of a building. <laughs> he seemed okay. 
He did. He definitely <laughs> kept his wits about him. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did. Okay. You guys ready to move to our cool Easter eggs? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, go ahead. You can go first, Joey. Okay. I got, I got three different ones. So the first one is uh, in the record store. There is a quick shot where um, Alex is thumbing through the records and he sees, uh, he doesn't see it exactly, but it's right there in front of him. It's 2001 A Space Odyssey on vinyl. I guess it's the song or the soundtrack from the movie. Yes. Um, it's the, the cover of the movie, at least. And it says 2001 on it. Um, and of course, that's a, another Stanley Kubrick film. So I thought that was kind of nice. That nice is little, a little, uh, little Easter egg there. That's, that's a, a textbook Easter egg. That, I almost say that's like the perfect, like if, if someone looked up like, like Easter eggs, like that would be like the example sentence. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny okay my, my next one was um that the uh during that scene where he receives the treatment the ludovico technique right he has those things in his eyes um uh, mcdowell's uh corneas were actually scratched and he almost went blind uh while they were filming that so they actually did wow. stick those things in his eyes Jeez, yeah dude. dude that looked awful that like, is honestly, dedication right there dang uh, yeah, I, I, and then the, the guy had to stand over him and put the like the drop, drops. Drop Dude, I wish you would stop doing that <laughs> the whole time. Dude, like I, I've never been more thankful that I can close my eyes than during those scenes. Those scenes I was, that's so funny. I was constantly closing my eyes. I was like, oh god, like the things that he was looking at that were supposed to be unpleasant were less unpleasant than looking at his eyes. Eyes, like, yes, they're dude. so wide open and like, oh. God, that was so, <laughs> that was so crazy. Awful. It was definitely very uncomfortable. Like, like, de- you, like, like. It, but I like the way you describe. Like, like, it was more uncomfortable watching him watching the things that made him uncomfortable. Yes, and I think that's very deliberate. That yeah, is very and, deliberate. Well, especially because those metal things. Like, I can't imagine how it must have oh. felt. I f- like, thank God he didn't actually go blind, but I wouldn't have been surprised, you know? Yeah, right? Yeah, no, so for sure. sure. Yeah, but, but, Art, I feel like that's also textbook method method acting. Letting like. Almost going blind for a freaking role. Like that's that's pretty wild. That, like I, I think Malcolm McDowell is like a text is or is a good OG like uh, artist when it comes to acting. I feel like, like yeah, dude. Well, I mean that's uh that's Stanley Kubrick actually. That's Stanley also Kubrick Stanley. Is, is known to like put his actors in danger uh, for shots and, but and make, what, make people do shots over and over and over. That's and another over thing and over him again. and Tarantino have in common because it's like um Tarantino. I think he choked. Whoever the lady is in *Inglorious Bastards*, um, he act, oh, really? those are actually there's a strangling scene, and it's yeah, actually yeah. In, it was actually uh, Christoph Waltz's character um, doing the strangling. But Tarantino was like, "It'll be my," and it's actually his hands in the scene. But he actually was like choking her. Um, and it, Damn, was for, it was yeah, like <laughs> but like like that is like you're right. That is also like a directorial thing where like that's why these like. It, that's why that's why great movies aren't made anymore i know dude like like because <laughs> of ethics i don't know if actors are like okay i don't know if i want like this thing in my eye i don't know if i want to be choked by the director i don't know like i'm just trying to like pretend to be this character i like, feel less sympathetic about the choking thing i feel like there's you can fake that yeah, so much better thing, than you can fake put still, things in your eyes you know gosh yeah okay my last one is uh there's a there's this quick picture of um alex after he gets out of prison and he's like covering his face, but he's only covering his face with one arm, so it kind of looks like he's dabbing. Um, he's also smiling, so I'm calling this uh, Alex Dabs on the haters. Nice, damn that's, that's, uh, <laughs> Easter egg dab. I really yeah. have to. I'm gonna have to look like look uh, that up or like a screenshot of that because I, I like it's been. Um, I don't think I noticed that, but that is. I'm gonna have to go we'll, back to that uh, scene and, and look that up. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll screenshot it and tweet it out from the Apple Chat Twitter. Perfect. Sure. 
Um, okay, I've got the next Easter egg, and um, it's not necessarily <laughs> too much of an Easter egg. It's kind of obvious, and you see it. Um, but one of my one of the one of the <laughs> one of the memes that I hold closest to my heart uh, is the dick butt meme. Yes, and um, there definitely is a dick butt in this movie. Uh, it doesn't have the face on it like the real dick butt, but it's the, definitely a dick butt though. Yeah, it's definitely a dick butt. The big white like phallic statue thing that he has yeah with a with a butt on the back that that is apparently an important work of art uh that he uses to kill the cat lady oh my Uh, gosh oh my god that thing is an absolute dick funny when he he touches it the first time he's just like i can't resist it he's just like it's right there in front he's of like, me. He's like, this is like, obviously a dick butt. I have to touch this, yes. whatever this is. And and she's, like, she's like, no, no, no. But he like, just like wobbles back and forth. Does, does he, so does he funny. kill her or does he like turn her into a cartoon? Because in the movie, it definitely like, like the, way oh, it's, yeah. the way it's shot in her, he does, he does kill her. Oh, yeah. But the way it's shot, it just, it, it, I like, I like comically saying like, oh, dude, we're using the dick butt, he totally turned the cat lady into a cartoon. <laughs> There's definitely some extra, some uh, some superpowers in that dick butt. I mean, in a movie with tons of phallic shapes, uh, this dick butt, I think, is the one that stayed with me. Yeah, uh, no, the image funny. that'll show up in <laughs> art that I make one day, I think. I'll have my right. sure. dick butt. I thought you were saying up. your dreams that like, have been conditioned into you. I'm sure this will add to that. I'm going to, tonight I'm having okay. nightmares being chased by a dick butt. <laughs> I, have a, I have a follow-up question that's a little bit more serious. But related to dick butts, mm-hmm. so you notice a lot of like the imagery in this movie, like especially in that woman's house, is all like women in like provocative poses. And it's like it's not even like the art is even that good. It's just kind of like you know erotic, like pr- yeah, erotic. And there's a lot of like basically like pornography and like fat like phallic stuff. I mean, they go to the milk bar and there's like naked Ladies, women that yes. are yeah, like like you know taking milk out of their breasts. Like that's like the uh, the fountain, yeah, the fountain the milk fountain so like what what do you think that means in this movie and how do you think that like how do you think that changes things i have a theory but i want to know what you guys think um honestly uh, i haven't really thought that hard about this but i feel like it's just part of the um almost like shock value of this movie where they're like just pushing the limits in every direction where they're going to be ultra violent um you know like very invasive with sex like people who don't want to have sex are getting raped you know and uh and and, like showing you boobs and vaginas and penises uh and they don't really care it's just like look we're gonna do this and and we're gonna do it it's gonna be in your face the whole time i mean i i think that's definitely true i think there is definitely a shock value in like a desensitization thing that's going on nick do you have a theory um i um I, it could just be a Stanley Kubrick thing. There's another movie he ha- has that's um, apparently on the same, not exactly on the same basis, but uh, it's called Eyes Wide Shut, and it's kind of yeah, like that horror movie. Yeah, um, and I I haven't seen it, but I like I want to. I believe it's on Netflix. Um, but like it could, like I said, it could just be a Stanley Kubrick thing, or it could be um, something that is because I I think. I don't think the book. I read the book like not too long after I saw the movie for the first time. So I, I read the book years ago, um, yeah. but I, I I don't remember the book specifically having that kind of connotation to it. I think um, like I said, it's either a Stanley Kubrick thing or it's something he particularly wanted in this movie where like that stuff is just normalized um, and it's not just that's 
exactly what I was going to say. Okay. Is that is this is like this is the time Alex Alex is almost a product of his environment. Yes, he and is. And there's all this stuff in his, in this environment in the background that that uh celebrates sex, celebrates like um what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like gratuitous, I guess. Sure. And, gra- um, like, and graphic like just images and whatnot yeah gr- yeah and and like i would i don't think violence is really shown in this in that kind of world the same way but there is almost a relation between sex and violence especially with the rape right so like there i think i think there's there's something going on in the background there i think it has to do with like how people have drifted away from some sort of morality and how everyone is is kind of much more desensitized to images like this where it's much more shocking for us and because of that people like alex thrive in this kind of environment i like that theory a lot yes I, I'm, I'm i'm also in favor of this theory yeah two thumbs up then yes <laughs> <laughs> so nick also you have some easter eggs for us yeah i just have a couple um well since i read the book um I guess you know spoilers. If you don't want to read, if you want to read the book, this is a spoiler podcast. But, but we spoil everything. It's, well, basically, <laughs> the, just the book. It ends the way it does in the movie, but the last—I don't want to say chapter, but almost like the epilogue—is um, like Alex is with his old gang again, or he's with a oh, new really? gang. But he's in, he's in a in, in a gang of droogs. Um, but I think he find like he. I guess he got a girl pregnant or whatever. Um, and at the end of the book, he like drops the whole i guess evil or or like it, it could just be just uh him you know acting out as a teenager um but he he drops mm. it and decides to uh you know make a new change and whatnot um and me on his own without like the treatment without the treatment like this is just something i i think someone if i recall when i read it um he was thinking about a statement that someone said and it was uh one of the opening lines of the book and it's like well what's it going to be a and that like is in the book that's one of like so many different chapters in the book start that way with that line Mm -hmm. um and i'm pretty sure they use that line at the end again and he uses that um to his inspiration to be like maybe it's maybe this is what's going to be and it's going to be me changing my ways um to be honest i am actually i just like the way the movie ends on its own and i think they just should have like the book should just have that original. That's why I like the movie more than the book. But the book is still. Oh, okay. I was gonna ask you which one is better. Um, like most, movie. you know, most people will tell you, oh, the, like a book is definitely better than a movie, and and in most cases that is, um, particularly especially with, in my opinion, with Jurassic Park. But with Clockwork Orange, <laughs> yeah, this, we're talking about this movie. Clockwork Orange is the movie's just better, and it could just because of the the Kubrick, the Stan Kubrick aspect, um, the way he does it. Um, but the book is still definitely very good, especially since it's written written in uh, the NADSAT uh, dialogue vocab- slash vocabulary. Um, I think um, the book is still very good. So that, that's one Easter egg. I think more so um, this was just a cool one. I know that there used to be. I, don't, I know it's not open anymore, but I think there's another one maybe in London or whatever. But there was a Corova milk bar in White Plains, New York. And, uh, really? Yeah, and it wasn't, Have you been there? But it wasn't just like – what they didn't just, just serve milk. They, they, it was like a bar bar. But they did have like they have like. Have you ever been there, Nick? Uh, I've never, but I've, I I want to go. I think there's one. Like I said, I think there's one in London. There may be one in I don't think New Orleans, but like there are a couple other Corova bars around the world. I want to go to at least one of them and 
like get dressed up or just or like just take pictures of it because I like, like sometimes I'm a fan of this movie and when I found out they had like specialty like like drinks and whatnot like that are like I guess uh, based off the movie or whatever. Uh, there's even in New York a Timber. I know do they have orange juice though. They they probably do have orange. They they probably <laughs> definitely have uh, orange uh, vajuskas or screwdrivers um, as as other people like to call them. Um, but uh, yeah, you'd want to get dressed up, like put a bowler hat on, and, hat and, one, and one fake and, and eyelash. take out somebody's eyes. I actually and, like put them on and your put, yeah, put something in my. Uh, well, actually, um, I actually did dress up as Alex Large for Halloween. Uh, the like when I was a freshman in high school. Uh, when I oh, really? when I saw this movie, there is a uh, a photo which I can send you guys, and you can tweet it on the Athol Chat Twitter. Um, we'll do it. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's me, and I made like homemade eyeball cufflinks. I I was wearing a, a fake eyelash. I had a bowler hat. I I wore suspender. I wore like all white and suspenders, and I have a cane. And, wow! And yeah, that's an awesome. That is an awesome Halloween oh, costume. Dude, it's it, like it was, relatively easy, but like very distinct. Very distinct. That's cool. Um, and what's cool is like I kind of want to do it again because I just I I think this movie's so good, and I want to like I, I think it's one of those things where. It's scary in that it's just really it's like it's it's notable. It's a notable costume because it's also yeah. from a dark movie. So I feel like wearing it for Halloween specifically, if you went to like a Halloween bar, like a party at a bar or whatever, like a Halloween rave or whatever, and you wore that, people would be like, oh, my gosh, like what a it's almost like essentially wearing the Dark Knight Joker costume. Like, like <laughs> everyone did in like 2009, 2010 when it when it first or 2008 when it came out. Yeah, the the office did a joke about that. The office definitely yeah. did a joke about. It. I, I love one thing I love about the office is that they always like take trends from that like time from that year and like poke fun at them. Um, because I feel like there are not many shows these days do that anymore. Well, actually, uh, <laughs> one of the examples I can pull up that. Well, yeah, like I, well, I was watching some football because it's you know the NFL playoffs right now, and one of the commercials for this TV show called Fam. It's called Fam. <laughs> I've, I've heard of, I've heard of that show actually. Yes, and they're like dad, like the dads of police are like dad. You can't dab people uh, on d- people who are in prison. Like I'm sending an emoji to mom about this, and like. Ah, oh, dude, I can't. Those aren't really that what they say. <laughs> Dang, dude, that sounds like like those aren't, that sounds like a those good aren't show. real quotes. But the commercials make you roll your eyes. But just also, as hard. like it's already <laughs> called fam. Like, right, right. Dear, so, like, okay, that but alone. hold on, hold on. Yeah. None of these things are Clockwork Orange. Uh, so let's try to return back to the movie at hand and uh, move on to our quotes section. And um, the first thing we're going to talk about some of the dialogue in this movie. So we have a couple of examples which will play for you right now there we were awaiting and drinking away at the old knifey malocco and you had not turned up and we thought you might have been like offended by something or other so round we come to your abode happy poly lodges i had something of a pain in the gulliver so i had to sleep i was not awakened when i gave orders for wakening i'm sorry about the pain Using a Gulliver too much, like maybe. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's only one quote that we're playing, but it's this is I think just one of many examples of the 
uh, NADSAT used yes. in this film, where it's just, what are you even saying? But at the same time, <laughs> it, it's not total gibberish. There's consistency in it, and if you pay attention, you can figure out what they're saying. Yes. So it's, uh, I think it's a really cool aspect that makes the uh, immersion into this like fictional version of the UK really, really nice. Definitely. And I, and, and I actually did a little bit of research on NADSAT, so it's based kind of on Russian. Um, there's like Russian, it's basically English with Russian words in it. NADSAT is actually like the Russian word for teenager or like the, the, the numbers between 10 and 19. So this is supposed to be like slang used by teenagers like Alex, um, in this fictional future that we have here. And a couple of the, uh, good examples, some of the more confusing ones, I thought horror show, which is, uh, supposed to be something meaning like good or awesome or cool is actually the phonetic spelling of the Russian word for excellent. Oh. And there's also drug, which I have spelled here in, in, uh, in Russian. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar. It wasn't until I saw this actually spelled out in Russian that I realized that this is actually a meme. Uh, what? The drug meme, uh, which is basically just a scary-looking monster. And drug just means friend. So it's like this scary monster that all he wants to do is be your friend. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a great meme. Dang, so yeah. Definitely check it out. I um yeah I, I thought it was super cool. Apparently yeah Anthony Burgess the author was uh, of the original book A Clockwork Orange is also a linguist so very qualified to be inventing this pseudo language, uh, which I think was really cool. And again it's just brings you really deep into this world because he even invents like airtight slang, uh, which yes. I think is a really cool aspect. Definitely. Very horror show. Very horror nice. show. Nice. Indeed. Horror show indeed. Happy <laughs> um, uh, polylogies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, here's my quote. I read all about the scourging and the crowning with thorns, and I could vidy myself helping in and even taking charge of the tolchocking and the nailing in, being dressed in the height of Roman fashion. So again, we see a little bit of uh, NADSAT in this, but I wanted to use this quote as an example of just how like messed up Alex is, right? Like when he hears about the Passion of the Christ, he hears about Jesus being nailed to a cross. To the cross, he doesn't imagine that it is like a sad event. He imagines himself as the one holding the whip. He's the one putting yes. the nails, like you know, the nails in the in the cross. He's the uh, you know, he's the one doing crime. He's the one who um, excites in the ultra violence. I really like that that word, by the way, ultraviolence. Ultraviolence. What's funny about that word is um, so many people these days think Lana Del Rey, who is a great artist, coined that term. But ever since she came up with, like, I think it's the album called Ultraviolence, all the girls were like, oh, my gosh, that, like, that sounds amazing. And I was like, dude, that's, that's a clockwork orange. And, totally and that's, like, that's completely <laughs> what she's trying to reference and whatnot. Um, a lot of like, like bands and, and music artists like, like to reference this movie because it's just so powerful. And I, I think um, that's why I think it's cool that this movie, I feel like this, it, this movie definitely coined that ultra violence. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, I, I just really like how this, this quote, um, kind of shows Alex in his entirety in a very clear way, which you, you didn't really get throughout the movie. You saw that he was a bad person, but it wasn't really until this moment that I realized he was a bad person because he likes being bad. Yeah, he's such a savage, dude, with his looking back on it and being like, 
ah, the good old days back when, you know, you could be like highly respected for handing out violent punishment, yes. uh, which is, you know, one of his favorite ways to spend his time. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was born in the wrong generation. That's what he, he's, he's basically one of those teenagers. <laughs> Well, was he though? He was born he was, in the right direction. Yeah. No, he was born exactly when he should have been. Oh, true. Yes. Yeah, uh, right. Because he got off big time. Yeah. <laughs> Are you saying something about yourself, Nick? Is that is that a Freudian slip? You know what? It probably. It, no wonder I watched this when I was in ninth grade. <laughs> when I was in high school. Uh, okay, I uh, I've got the next one. I don't care about the dangers, Father. I just want to be good. I want for the rest of my life to be one act of goodness. The question is whether or not this technique really makes a man good. Goodness comes from within. Goodness is chosen. When a man cannot choose, he ceases to be a man. And this one is pretty obvious with uh, <laughs> like what they're going for here. And it's kind of... Uh, that whole question of free will and what it means to be good. And uh, in a movie that I think has varying levels of subtlety, uh, this is one of the more obvious things, but also one of the more important things that I think it's important for the audience to consider. For sure. sure. So my only question is, does Alex actually want to be good? Oh, no, I don't think so at all. I think Alex wants to not be held down by the oppressive forces in his life uh which would be like the government and other people who have power over him right it seems like he's always just yeah. playing the game to try to get himself back into a position uh that he wants to be in yeah and um this kind of this is kind of a tangent but this do you, uh, um nick do you know why it's called a clockwork orange i uh still this day i think i looked it up but and I think I found it, but that was a long time ago. I forgot why it's called the Clockwork Orange. Um, I don't know either, but my, my theory is that it's because it's not the a Clockwork Orange. Like, if you imagine an orange that is made of clockwork, it looks like something that it's not, which is exactly what Alex is throughout this whole movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Alex, I got Alex it. pretends to be good to his parents and to his parole officer. He, he is under the impression that he can transform himself into being a good person through this treatment, but he never stops being exactly what he's always been. Yeah. I kind of understood it as like a clockwork orange where it's like, or it's an orange on the outside, like a, an orange's skin, but on the inside, it's all machine. Like it's, Ooh. it looks organic from the outside, but on the inside, it's not a, like uh alive that right? is a it's very so, good that's good i like that a lot i'm really glad i got you guys opinion on this movie because like i have never i i've researched this film you know online and when i got other people's opinions but that is a very good way of putting it for me i i i think what what i used to my like one of my theories was about it uh, when i first heard of it was it's kind of like that like the song bohemian rhapsody where it's just a jumble of nonsense but but they're still like just because it's kind of like those don't judge a book by its cover don't don't judge it by its title like like there's more to don't it. judge an orange by its outside yeah don't don't vidy this this uh, film uh, through through glass eyes you know don't don't look at this film uh, two dimensional you know sure D definitely see what's inside and and get your fill before you judge 
Right. Like, and I, I mean, I could see it from that perspective too. I don't think that the title is super important. Um, if you, cause if you don't agree with our theories on why it's called the clockwork orange, uh, it can be kind of like, uh, reservoir dogs where it's just a, a unique title. So it, yeah. it can stand out and, you know, kind of reflect the un- uniqueness of the film itself. Um, but I also like our theories too. <laughs> yeah for sure but tell us your theories if you have any ideas yeah tweet yeah tweet at us why do you think this movie's called the clockwork orange also since i mentioned it uh episode one of apple chat is reservoir dogs if you want to go see uh what we were doing over a year ago you can go listen to that episode. <laughs> uh i'm gonna warn you the audio quality will not be as good as this audio quality but still we talk about the movie in depth so you can listen to it if you want but uh we are on to our last quote uh, which is this one. I was cured, all right. Um, yes, this this particular quote, this is the one I, I chose, and it's... Um particularly yeah the way you described it um alex has been told that the government's basically going to take care of him he's going to get off you know free and whatnot they're going to set him up with a a nice job and whatnot and they play they're like oh we, we 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 remember you like beethoven here's some beethoven and he kind of goes back to his old mindset um and that's when he like sarcastically says uh while the audience watches an images an image of him having sex with this girl, I was cured all right. And I just think it's it's very it's very um uh cheeky of him. It's very um just like like I don't know, very badass so, badass of I don't know if I want to say badass, but he just very um you know, like I said, cheeky of him to just say, oh, I was what? cured all right. Right, right. So I guess what does this mean? So it appears based on the fact that he doesn't start like retching uh, when they bring the music in that he has been uncured, right? Yes. Like he, he has now the, the, uh, the technique they used on the treatment they used on him is no longer effective and he's back to his old ways or at least he is capable of going back to his old ways now. So what does it mean? Like he was cured, but is like you can take it as literally like he was cured of the original cure you know he was set mm-hmm. back to normal yeah or you can say it like nick said he, he's just being cheeky and he's saying like oh i'm cured all right you know like uh, my situation has been fixed uh but i don't know i don't know what to draw from this well i mean he's kind of i mean he's got everything he wants and he can he's like have the upper hand right like he can he can kind of dictate whatever he wants because everyone's looking at him you know the pressure looking at him he kind of has all the all the political or like public power, I guess you could say. Sure. Um, so he's, you know, he can say, Oh, I was cured. I, I am cured and still get all of the benefits of not having the cure, I guess. I don't know. I think this is more confusing than I was going to give it credit for. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess maybe it, it requires further uh, analysis analysis. Yeah. And, and again, anyone listening, if you, you know it and we're all missing it, let us know. You can send us an email or tweet at us. But for now, we'll move on. Joey, I believe you know what time it is. It is time for us to go a little deeper, deeper, deeper. deeper. 
So, okay, my first topic, I have a couple of ones, but I feel like they're kind of quick. First, um, as you watch this movie, I feel like there's a consistent kind of uh, amount of gratuitous like uh, sexual imagery and violence throughout. So you end up um, with kind of this desensitization to the movie. You're here with us. Okay, good. Uh, did you hear what I said? Yeah, yeah. You said you started with saying that there's uh, gratuitous violence and like sexual content, and then we kind of okay. Okay, just start over. I'm gonna start over. I'm gonna start over. Okay, so my first topic. I feel like these are all pretty quick. That's fine. Um, the the audience um, reactions to this movie. I feel like there's a lot of uh, sex and gratuitous violence and all this stuff throughout the movie, um, and but it's pretty consistent. So you kind of become desensitized to it. And by the end of it, you're kind of used to it and almost expect it. You know, like when the, when that doctor and the nurse come out from under the, you know, um, <laughs> the, the, yeah. whatever, the curtain, and like after they were having <laughs> sex, well, right, right but in the other room next to Alex, or like the, basically the same room as him, you're not, you're, you don't even like shrug your shoulders, you don't even blink. You're like, okay, you know, like, this is nothing new. Yeah. This is all the it's same stuff the movie being, it's, being itself. Oh, okay, right. actually, and, can I, can I just, Quick aside, based on that, sure. when he started moaning and we heard a woman <laughs> moaning too, I thought that they were going to open up the story and there was like, there's a female like counterpart to Alex in this movie, like a wretched woman who is going through the same oh my process. Gosh. I was like, I thought that was going to be like a reveal, and then I was like, oh no, it's just sex. No, but that's that would be cool. That would have been, been such cool. a like, oh my gosh, like that is. Like they find each That's other in that way. That's you yeah. saying that, dude. And I, I, I would love to watch that, like Ben's directorial cut of, of this movie, where it just goes to that instead of the what it did. I, I, I can see it now. Benjamin Carlson's <laughs> Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange. Dude, I, dude, and I can tell you right now, right away. I am not only am I a Stan Kubrick fan, Stan, but I'm a Ben Carlson Stan too. Wow, I appreciate that for sure, dude. Yeah. The where well, I think there's a powerful desensitization to this in this movie, but all that also relates to the characters in this movie and the desensitization they feel toward the sex and violence that they experience in the world. And to that effect, you know, a lot of this stuff kind of gets swept under the rug. A lot of stuff just kind of there's no like central morality anymore. There's 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 nothing like taken seriously anymore. I mean, they they. In the prison, you know, maybe that's not the best example because all these people are kind of despicable. But in the prison, there's no respect for the chaplain. There's no respect for the priest or his his homily, right? He's trying to tell them you need to save yourselves, and they're like, you know, farting and, uh, and, and burping kissy faces and, you know. and making kissy yeah, faces. Yeah, not paying attention. Alex, dude, not taking it seriously. Oh or like even Alex, in Alex's room, right? He has that um, those four dancing Jesuses, uh, like that are lined up in a conga line yeah. and they're like they're naked but they also have those you know this the stigmata in their hands and stuff so in the, in the crown of thorns you know it's just this perversion of religious uh, imagery to the point of complete desensitization to the point where you no longer feel the power of those images yeah and um they no longer hold any effect over you well yeah the, the audience but also it is a little bit tough to judge what flies in this world right like the building that they live in is all graffitied up and there's trash everywhere and i was like dang yeah. this looks really bad but like his parents seem like pretty common like normal decent folk so you're like is this just what 
life is like in this world you know there's like trash over the place people drop penises on everything and that's just fine you know it's like it's hard to see where because the other people who are at the milk bar don't necessarily seem to be like rotten people you know it's just they're also there so i do think that maybe this movie gets in its own way a little bit with the excess um like kind of uh edgy material because you don't know if that's normal in this world or if it's intended to like be shocking in that world as well i don't know because i mean i never got this sense that what alex was doing was that abnormal honestly yeah you know like I like you saw the other gang that was also there trying to rape that woman, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't see any other ones, but you kind of assume that there's tons of these like gangs of teenagers going out there, you know, wrecking stuff, and there, and nobody can do anything about it. Um, yeah. and I don't know. I mean, that's I feel like that's there. There could be lots of reasons for that, but I feel like the movie uh, posits that it's because of this world that they live in. You know that that a whole uh, uh, broken glass um, philosophy. You know what I'm talking about? Where, like, you have an abandoned building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, yeah. Uh, someone yeah. breaks a glass, and then all of a sudden everything just kind of gets worse around it because that one glass is broken, like, exponentially. Yes. It's the same kind of idea, right? Where it's like, uh, as soon as, like, one person draws a dick on this wall, it might as well draw ten. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like, it's a... It's like taking these things we all hold sacred and then perverting them, and then nobody stands up for it, nobody says anything for it, and at the end of the movie, you're just along for the ride, too. You're just as involved or as complicit as the rest of the people in this movie. Sure. Okay, my next topic was uh, soft sci-fi, which I feel like this movie falls into. This movie is kind of set in the future. Yeah. There's, like, futuristic dystopian future, yeah. Well, the future sure. from 1972, for like, certainly. Right. But there aren't any, besides the like Ludovico technique, there isn't really any technological changes. Yeah. They don't show you like like special video screens. They don't show you like even uh, like special music players or anything. It's still records. Um, and I feel like so that for that reason, I feel like this movie falls into the soft sci-fi section of uh, like literature, meaning that it's, it's in the future, um, but the, the progress that we've made as a society is all cultural, yes. not technological. And again, this kind of moves into what I was just talking about. It's like how the culture has evolved with time. So, and I don't know if this is what Stanley Kubrick was thinking or even what the guy who wrote the original book was thinking, but it, is our culture headed in the same direction as Clockwork Orange? Are we becoming more desensitized to these things, to violence, to sexuality? Um, I... Um... I mean, more people could could ex- like or could expand on, on that. Uh, but the thing I could say about that is yes to both of those. Um, just because, I mean, on one hand, yes, like like seeing like these days you see more I guess school shootings, and it, it's still like a shock factor thing. So it's still definitely a tragedy, um, but it's been happening more and more today than it did back. Like when Columbine happened, like that was the, the one of the first you know, major, um, I guess, events. Um, that was a long time ago. And so, but like, this is, this movie, like, I don't know, it came out in the 70s. So. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I don't know. We, we've talked about this before, kind of, is like the myth of progress. Like, are things getting right. worse? Um, or are we just noticing things more, right? With the internet, you're going to hear about every school shooting because you're going to hear about whatever makes the most news. Yes. Um, but statistically, 
like the world is getting safer uh, for the most part. And you, like, as far as the sexual thing goes, you could argue that, yeah, it's sexual deviancy is on the rise. Or you could argue that it's, sexual liberation is on the rise. Yeah, like empowerment been, more so. Yeah, and in that in the past, we have uh, stigmatized or looked down upon certain people based on sexuality. And maybe that's not the most uh, effective way to go about it. And maybe that it's, it's the correct thing to open the door up to accepting more sexual preferences and more ways about going about being sexual so um i think it's an opinion i i think so too but there's also that whole like like morality question too i mean especially with the christianity that's that's put in this movie right there's a classic christian morality that is uh you know undercut uh undermined subverted perverted throughout this movie you know, the, no one takes the, the chaplain seriously. when He's the only one who stands up uh, for Alex um, after the treatment is over, right? Even Alex seems to think that what he, what's, gone, what's happened is good, but it turns out that, you know, the priest was right. So, like, I feel like they're... Uh, despite all of the imagery in this movie, I feel like the, the director is, being, is very, like, deliberate in saying that this is something that we need to be holding to a higher regard something we need to be taking more seriously something that's being lost i uh I don't know. yeah i don't know it, again i think it, a lot of it comes down to personal beliefs and opinions uh, but i do think it's important that we uh Discuss keep it. an eye on it or yeah. don't keep an eye on it yeah yeah yeah, yeah like, but that's how it happens right like <laughs> that's how it slowly slips down the line yeah. is that you know the you don't notice you don't say anything well, that's why i mean that's why you get your twitter page that's where you get like you know Get, yeah, definitely. That's like it's good. People to keep are talking. saying things about People it. People are definitely talking about it and whatnot. Uh, and like that's why you can always go on r slash Stanley Kubrick r slash. Um, you know, you just go on Reddit and, and see what other people think about this kind of even YouTube comments on like the trailer and whatnot. <laughs> like you see what people just just what their thoughts on this particular yeah. like the the symbolism and the images this movie tries to portray and whatnot. Yeah, listen to podcasts. Listen to podcasts too. <laughs> you know, ones that are called. This podcast was secretly an ad for other for podcasts. other podcasts, <laughs> like like this other one called Affable Chat. Oh wait, that's this one. Yeah, <laughs> that was sneaky. <laughs> okay, I got I got a uh, a couple more. Uh, what do we What do we do with evil people? Is it possible to reform them, or is it, or are we just like do we have to just get rid of them? We have to change them fundamentally. We have to kill them. I mean, maybe that's pretty. That's a pretty heavy point. topic. But yeah, Joey, going with the easy questions here, the ones that are just quick answers. Um, <laughs> what do we do with evil people? That is, a, that's an age-old question. I mean, that's... going even going back to our episode on the Shawshank Redemption, it's uh, yeah, obviously yes. there has to be a punishment for doing bad things, but you got to decide what your goal is with these people. Um, I think that maybe is where you can break it into at least two pieces where you can say get rid of, remove from society versus rehabilitate and add back into society. Um, right. And as far as effective real rehabilitation goes, I have no idea how to, how to do that. Um, but in my opinion, that would be the goal. I think taking people out completely um, isn't an effective way to go about doing this you i guess we if we can't agree on the value of human life then uh we're not it, it that's like a cut a falling off point so sure yeah and there's i mean i don't know if there's any proof that it actually prevents crime you know like does capital punishment actually keep people from committing crimes right because i don't know yeah. 
I mean, in the I've, at least in the like the ivory trade, I I always heard, like quote this like uh, they made it. It was a few years ago. They made it um, like legal to shoot on sight anyone who is like uh, hunting an elephant for their ivory, um, and that only made ivory prices go up. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, this particular treatment, I think, has potential. Um, I'll give you, like, a really cut and dry one, like, if they could just focus on one thing. Because, obviously, one of the problems with this is that it can accidentally punish you for things unrelated to your crimes. Yeah, uh, Like, sure. listening to Beethoven's Ninth. But, like, somebody who is, like, a child molester, you could make it so that, like, they feel that pain if they're, like, around children. Around children, So, yeah. yeah. And, like, yeah, that sucks, but... It would be, if that's what it takes, then you know, that's what right, it takes. exactly. Like, it's you have to stop this heinous thing from happening, sure. so like, I, yeah, but like, you could make that argument that like you can't live a normal life if you are don't can't interact with you know a younger generation, uh, sure. And uh, and like, what is it, like, how does that work exactly? Yeah, how do you know, you know, like, some adults kind of look like children, you know, like they exactly. look young, <laughs> uh, and it's like you're trying to go to you know, you're trying to get your McDonald's or vice versa, um, right? So, yeah, I, I I don't know. I I feel like the the idea is there. Like I think making it like compulsively impossible for you to uh, do bad things in theory works, but I don't know if it's ever uh, if we have to agree on some sort of morality. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have to come up with an idea of what what like what is right and wrong, black and white, and which is almost impossible, becoming more and more impossible. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm glad we settled this. Okay. Those, Let's were, those, move were on. Good, those were good points to make up, though. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. I appreciate <laughs> it. Okay. Uh, my deeper topic is going to deal with the critical response to this film's release, uh, okay. mainly focusing on the United States and the UK, which were the largest audiences for this film. So, uh, starting in the United States, originally this movie was rated X, uh, which was the rating before NC 17. And you either had to be 18 or 21 to enter these films. I don't know where it was different or maybe different states. I don't know. But okay. uh, getting the X rating made it so that your potential audience became very, very, very much smaller. So a lot of movies had to go back and edit themselves so that they could be released as rated R. And um, another movie we've talked about on the podcast, Evil Dead, also had to do this. It was released. It was originally rated X, and they um, cut it to be rated. I R. forgot that Evil Dead was also like originally rated X. I like that's one movie yeah. that, that slips through the cracks. Um, I, I think this movie is way more deserving of it. Oh my yes, god! Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, this movie. Like that's why when I found that out, I was like, of course. <laughs> yes, but if um, so yeah, Stanley Kubrick only had to edit out thirty seconds of the film to achieve the R rating. But don't worry if you've seen this movie in the last you know twenty years, you've likely seen the original version, which is which thirty seconds was it? I don't know. I would have to guess it has has to be rape somewhere. Uh, probably yeah, is the worst one. Probably um, the the, the see, either the scenes where he's like listening to Beethoven in his room or uh, when they're trying to do the the treatment on him. Like one of the, I think it has it should be one of those two scenes. Really? Wait, this, 
when, when he's when he's in this room and he sees all those images of people like dying. I feel like there there are more that they could have at like they probably had in that montage or it could have been that the scene where he's having like the threesome with the two girls because like they probably had more I, I don't know I, the, 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 like I haven't yeah seen the original yes, but the context in that is so much different than yeah it's probably I bet you it's like a, a right around where the the rape scenes are because there's more than one yeah yeah so I bet you he cut out a, like a cut like. 10 seconds out of one and 20 seconds out of another or something. Right, yeah. but but what I'm trying to get across here is that we don't know because all the versions that exist now are the original version. Uh, if you have like a really old like Betamax, you might have the edited version, but <laughs> it's most likely the original, uh, which now has achieved the rated R rating um, like uh, retroactively. The That uh, proves my point. <laughs> Oh yeah, that doesn't it? Yeah, they were getting desensitized. It's not as offensive now. Yeah, I think we've um, already covered right. it. Then <laughs> I've got yes. Um, the Catholic Church bestowed upon this film the rating of C for condemned. That's awesome. <laughs> I didn't know they did. But that. just the fact that like like w- when you first hear like oh we gave it a C, they're like really? I thought you'd give it an F. Oh no no, it's a C for condemned. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, and, we we definitely hate this movie. <laughs> well yeah, and it was um back then. They had some sort of, I, f- I forgot what it was called, but there's some sort of like Catholic church, like cinema, like leadership group or something. And they would bestow these ratings on movies. And if they still kind of do that, though. they, they still, still like, do that, say, but, but it's not like as in they don't, it's not as much like a forbid. Yeah, yeah it's more but just we're like not, a, we don't agree with this thing. Yeah, yeah we don't agree with um, the, what the uh, message I think the most movie. recent film I had heard about that was The Golden Compass. Which yeah. like that obviously? Oh yeah, <laughs> that was like the last film I remember. Like the ca- hearing, the, but I feel like they kind of had to because I was like, oh, it's a movie. Who like I remember because, I was like, well, I feel like they, ten when I came out. I was like, I, don't, I, don't I feel like they had to do that just because it the movie addresses the church directly. Okay, yeah, um, and calls it the church. So it's almost like a you know, it's like they they have to save some sort of. I response. wonder what they think of the movie Spotlight then. <laughs> yeah, good question. That is, like, that is directly a Catholic Church film. But it's also a great film, and I'm like I was raised yes. Catholic, so I've heard I've heard a lot of good things about that film. That is a great movie, we'll, especially we'll with Michael keep it, yeah. yeah, we'll keep it on Clockwork Orange for now, for sure. Um, <laughs> okay, and sorry. When it's uh, keep going towards other films. When it was rated C for condemned, it forbid any Catholics from seeing it. Um, but the Catholic Church only did that until 1982, when they stopped doing that kind of thing. You know, uh, as far as forbidding, forbidding like it's a it sin to go see this. Movie. Okay, okay, um, <sighs> okay. In the UK, uh, oh, well, actually, well, this movie was a smash hit in the United States, um, but the story was different in the UK. So in March of 1972, shortly after this movie came out, a 14-year-old boy in the UK was accused of manslaughter of, his, of one of his classmates, and it, the prosecution used this film as like evidence. They were like, he was influenced by this film to commit this manslaughter. Um, Additionally, a 16-year-old British boy murdered a homeless person, and he said that his friends told him about the scene early in this film where they beat up the drunk old guy, and that like added to his motivation for like recklessly killing this like homeless wow. person. And there was also a rape like around the time of this release where the rapists were like heard singing singing in the rain but they replaced the word rain with rape so singing in the rape when people were like that's from a clockwork orange you know so yeah so (laughs) yeah all these things happened around the time of the release and people are blaming stanley kubrick for like 
the negative influence of this film, compelling people to uh, do the terrible things from this film. And uh, but. Kubrick denied uh, blame for this. He said, to try and fasten any responsibility on art as the cause of life seems to me to put the case the wrong way around. Art consists of reshaping life, but it does not create life nor cause life. Furthermore, to attribute powerful suggestion qualities to a film is at odds with a scientifically accepted view that even after deep hypnosis in a Post-hypnotic state, people cannot be made to do things which are at odds with their nature. Kubrick said uh, this? Yes. That is a, like, he very... He had to say something. Yeah, but, but, like, the, wife... I think the way he worded that is, like, spot... I think, like, it's kind of like when people compare Tarantino and his violent films... Yeah, like, Tarantino would probably agree. Ultra violent. He, but he would say something, like... Like, you're, you're right, he has to say something to defend himself, but, like, like... The way he he words that is like no, like life or imitates or or, or or imitates life, like like it's not sub, it's subjective or or whatnot. Um, right. Well, c- people were like threatening him and his wife, yeah, because they were saying like this movie is a plague on our nation and it's causing people to do things. Obviously, Stanley Kubrick disagreed, um, but they basically it was very hard to see this movie in the UK until Stanley Kubrick died. So like. The tw- first 27 years of this film's existence in the UK, it was almost impossible to see. There was actually a like 30 minute TV documentary about this movie, about how like it was like the closest thing you could get to seeing it, where they would talk wow. about why the movie. It was called The Forbidden Fruit, and it, they were talking about how this movie is like so horrible and like hypnotized people to go do these horrible things. Uh, but it was after shortly after Stan- Stanley. Kubrick died in 1999 they re they did a theatrical re-release and now it's just like a normal movie um but yeah it's crazy I mean this movie might be the most I don't don't know like controversial yes it might be the most controversial film that I've ever uh watched and I'm like obviously I'm old enough now that it's not gonna like shock me or, or or rather it's not gonna like keep me up at night but if I had seen this movie when I was a little bit younger I think this could have been tra- traumatic uh and it more than maybe anything else I've seen so it's uh I, I like that it feels like breaking new ground uh seeing something mm. like this and and who better to do that with than Stanley Kubrick yes absolutely Ooh, that's rough, man. <laughs> um, if we could segue into my uh, like, I guess deep analysis of this film, it was just strictly yeah. what I was I was talking about earlier, where um, this movie likes to symbolize the government poisoning the population and corrupting us mentally. Um, I just want to expand that on that a little bit, on just that. Um, yes, this is definitely a moral kind of film, but but um, some people like to just talk about how. Um, what the what I, I guess the government or the system did to Alex um, because they they try to quote unquote cure him with this technique and then um, this like it's like you said he had one bad day but it was like it was like he ha- didn't even have a chance and they were like oh we're on your and like once they the people were started pointing fingers at the government in like the newspaper articles. At near the end of the movie, the, the the system like the the people were like, oh, we're we're here to help him now. Like we're here to like, oh no, to to like we're on his side now. Like no matter what, no matter what he's done, like like they they sympathize with him very quickly. Um, the squeaky white boy gets the wheel. I mean, gets the oil. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so I just like think that's that's one 
deep like like one of the main things about this film is the morality of it and i think that's definitely the the thing that i think most people need to take a look like take from this film but i do like to um i did just want to expand on the whole um the idea that the government is poisoning the population this is not something necessarily i believe but i know that this is something this the movie is definitely it's one of the symbols um they're putting chemicals in the water that are turning the frogs gay <laughs> that was good, man. Dang, dude. Have you been practicing that? Well, I, <laughs> yes, yeah. I routinely destroy my own voice by imitating Alex Jones. But um, no, I, I totally agree, Nick. If anything, this movie kind of makes a case for small government in in like kind of a tangential way. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think this movie also kind of makes the case for gun rights because maybe you'd be able to stop these hooligans who are breaking into your house if you could, if there was at least the danger of them getting blown away uh, once they sure. got in there. You know what they say, the best thing to stop hooligans that are high on milk is a good guy with a gun. That's how the, that's how the <laughs> saying goes. I've heard that so many times. I'll tell you what, though. G- Jesus. I'm pretty sure I have a t-shirt that says that. I'll tell you what, though. Jesus had an AK-47. Yeah, Jesus had a gun. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Jesus voted for Trump. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll, uh, we'll pull it in here. We'll try to bring it to a close um, by delivering our ratings. And... Uh, I think we want to hear yours first, Nick. What 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 rating did you give this movie since you chose it? I give this uh, film uh, about seven seven point four Scooby Snacks. Scooby Snacks. Scooby Snacks. So why Scooby Snacks? Because it definitely uh, I don't know. It kind of makes you Scooby Snacks is one of those things that like it definitely sounds like. You you have some, but then you kind of want more. It's kind of like one of those munchy things. You're like, oh, okay, like because it's like you guys were saying, like, yes, this was somewhat a long movie, but I don't know. You still have some questions afterwards. You're oh, yeah. like, where, sure, what happened? Sure. Where did it go? So that's why I put seven point four Scooby Snacks, probably maybe out of ten. Where it's just like, like, but like still Scooby Snacks, particularly because you got a good, you got a taste of it, and you're like, okay, and you're on this tangent with this film, and at sure. the end, you were like, okay, that was good, but what else though what like what what yeah, do, yeah. like what where did this character what happened to him after or where could this have gone elsewhere and that's okay. why i always love hearing fan theories about this film um but that is my rating uh, okay. uh 7.4 Joey, scooby snacks was that 7.4 scooby snacks 7.4 like scooby well, snacks is my rating recorded. for this joey i would like to hear your um oh, okay um i give this movie one session today and two more tomorrow oh god <laughs> yeah that sounded awful when she said it's like okay we're doing two tomorrow and it's like wow that's too many <laughs> one was already so bad oh um, yeah the when when they were actually doing the technique and actually i do kind of get that feeling from this movie like if i finished it today and then we were like okay we're watching it twice tomorrow i think that, that would echo kind of the fe- feeling of <laughs> same feeling, feeling like, like, oh yeah. geez i gotta do this twice again oh yeah, boy, because yeah. I, even though i've seen it like i actually went back and looked at some of like the more horrific things again i was like now that i've kind of empathized with alex are these ha- do i see these in a different light nope they're still no. awful <laughs> um like sure. it's, yeah it just uh yeah. Made me feel really like I'm glad that we're talking about this. I'm feeling a lot better now, but honestly, after I watched that movie, like I felt physically ill for, for how, sure. like, how disturbing it was. Um, Ben, what I, is your rating on this? Yes, I will give it my rating. I give this movie one giant dick butt. Uh, but this one, unlike the one in the movie, is detailed, hairy, and veiny. It's appalling, but it's also an important work of art. And you can't look away. 
You absolutely can't. Uh, your eyes are propped open. <laughs> and, 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 and you probably, but, but here's the, the similarity is that you probably could display, just like the one in the movie, you could display this one in your house too. Yeah, well, it's an important work of art. You know, it you definitely is an important work of art that you don't want any stranger that breaks into your house touching. Or smashing me to or death. Or smashing and turning you into a cartoon. <laughs> right. Okay. So that, that pretty much does it for um, A Clockwork Orange. Um, Joey, what's next? Our next movie is Gattaca. Awesome. So um, the reason we had Nick on is because Nick recently released a project. Uh, so Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So um, I've been working on this, I guess, project. Um, I, I had been calling it an EP, uh, and I feel like it still somewhat is, but uh, because it is seven songs and not five, and not like more than one, and, and it's not just like three songs. You could also just call it an album. I just call it a short album or a project. That's why I've been just... What's it called? It, this project is called Nature. I've been working on it. Well, I was working on it for about a year. Uh, specifically, not this past December, but the December of 2017. So, like, all, pretty much a full year and probably, like, an extra month um, to get everything finalized and whatnot and, and just have all these um, songs uh, created and whatnot. And it's a, it's a musical project. Um, but it's like my first EP slash album It's seven songs. It was originally gonna be five and, um, but two or three of them were born. Um, they kind of spawned one after the other. And I was like, I, I definitely want to include these. These are, these are cool songs. And I feel like, you know, people will enjoy these. Um, I, I wrote them. This, this, this project is called nature and it's seven songs. Um, you know, it's, it's available on Amazon, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Apple music, all streaming services. If you just look up Nick Heredia nature, um, you'll be able to access this album. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing, uh, I've so far I've been getting good, you know, receptions, seeing what my friends, family and, and, and fans, uh, are thinking about this if uh you haven't heard it please, uh, i would love for you guys to check it out also yeah, affable chat fam go check out this album i've been listening to it a lot on spotify northern lights i think is my favorite song on it um so yeah i mean on, it's on all these different platforms so pretty much anywhere you listen to music you can probably find it i'm very and i don't know if it, i don't know if we mentioned it but nick actually wrote our our theme song the song that we play at the end of the podcast too um, and I hope that uh, those who are fans of Apple Chat enjoy that theme song. Right. So smash that, yeah, smash that MF follow button on Spotify or whatever you got. Uh, check out Nick's music. So Nick, we just wanted to thank you so like for coming on to the the podcast. I, I'm thank you for recommending a Clockwork Orange because believe me, I would not have watched this movie if it wasn't <laughs> for this podcast. So I, we appreciate um, that. So yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me and for taking my recommendation. I'll, I'll hopefully uh, see you guys in the in the future. All right. So I think that does it for our episode on Clockwork Orange for Affable Chat. I'm Benjamin and I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at AffableChat, or our email, AffableChat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.